Welcome everybody. My name is Rikke Lin. I'm the Deputy Director and Chief Curator of uh, Magazine Trea. This is Anton Henning, the artist. I hope some of you have had the chance of seeing this exhibition called Too Much Skin Taste and Turpentine. We're very, very proud to have been able to get Anton Henning to Stockholm and to Sweden. It's a Scandinavian debut. So first solo exhibition of Anton Hennings uh, in the whole of Scandinavia, which feels it's actually kind of surprising. There have been a lot of exhibitions, but it's also a good thing, I think. It's, in a sense, uh, a well-kept secret in these parts. Uh, you were just uh, at Valdemars uh, Udde. Yes. You've been to Stockholm a couple of times before, but we, didn't, uh, we never went out there. How, how did you like it? You know what? I... I went to Valdemar Sude the first time I was here in November, and I almost had missed my air, my plane home. Oh, because it was it was winter and a lot of snow and and ice, a little bit of ice in the water, and there was an understone um, exhibition at Valdemar Sude, and there were many paintings, wonderful paintings of naked women in saunas. And outside it was so cold, and the paintings had such a wonderful atmosphere. It was like being there in the sauna, and I left too late. <laughs> I really almost missed the plane. That was the f your first visit here? Yes. Yeah, yeah during the, this uh, process that we've had uh, making this uh, exhibition, you came here twice, and I came to you twice in uh, Manka. Uh, we will talk more about your studio and everything. But, oh, I didn't know that. Also, we spoke the other day about Anders Sohn, as we say it here. And, and normally, when we have been discussing everything here, we always speak German. And normally, an odd situation, in a sense, to be speaking English together. But uh, both Anders and Sohn are German words, which we also spoke about the other day. Anders means different, and Sohn is, is uh, anger. So you came back now from uh, Valdemarsjöde a second time then, yeah. but uh, what was the exhibition there today? It was his collection, uh -huh. and in the building, in the um, living quarters, there was an exhibition on rugs and tapestries. Mm -hmm. Okay, so more visited we, the place today. We, I must say we looked much more at the, the dwelling quarters, and we were very impressed with, with the architecture, because the place is so big, but at the same time so cozy so one could really f one f could really move in <laughs> yeah it's it is a nice place very nice listen i thought we'd begin at the beginning uh, and talk a little bit about where you're from you know what where your art might be coming from where you have moved around and where you are today so you're born in berlin yes and I think we've discussed that you really, I mean, you come actually from sort of a, a long line of Berliners. You, you, several generations back, right? Yes. My parents know better. <laughs> there was a time when you entered art school, I know, for a very, very short period. But did you, when did you start f get interested in art? Was this from the very, very beginning? Or as a child, were you already, when did you know you wanted to become an artist? I got very interested in art when I was around 17 and at that time I thought I might become an artist or a cook but that was also because I had no other 
not many other ideas of of professions. I, um, realistically enough, I understood that I will not become a pilot or train captain or boat captain or whatever one wants to become, or policeman at that age. So I um, thought I would want to paint, but I had no idea, of course, what what it would be like to paint and to be um, a professional artist. And one, and I'm still learning. It's a, it, it's always it always changes, and one always it's never you you're never a f- fulfilled professional artist. It's it's a profession in progress. But so if at the time you were interested in, in becoming a cook or a painter, I'm, I'm, I'm actually not surprised. I mean, we've, we've spoken so much about food, almost more than about art during these, these, <laughs> Let's talk these about years food. <laughs> that uh, this has been in preparation. So, but I mean, food, I cook, I can, I can sort of understand where did it come from, do you think? Where did this desire come from to become a, a, an artist at, that, at the age of 17? What were the influences? Had you gone to certain museums or were there what, what do you well on one hand I, I could see how easy it was to make some people happy by giving them a little painting for their birthday mm-hmm. for example or to decorate a love letter with a little drawing or so that worked quite well too and desire is something that I think we all have within ourselves and so it's not the desire for a profession, it's more the desire to do this more than one would usually do it, with, you know, more in- intensely, spend more hours a day doing this. And um, what was quite nice and, um, was that my uh, parents, when I was still going to school, that they would be supportive to some extent, that they would let me paint in the house. And I could take on my, my sister's room who had moved out, she's a few years older than I am, and I could actually use this room as a studio. After mo- having moved from the attic, which was too cold in the winter and too hot in the summer, to her room, and I could really, I pulled out the carpet, you know, this kind of carpet, and um, could make a, wow. make a mess there and paint the things that I then wanted to paint, you know, friends and still lives and very kind of conventional paintings, but what I wanted to paint at that, at that time. So you, I mean, at quite an early age, you started to seriously just, I mean, paint. You, in a sense, you had a studio and you were yeah. painting away. And, I mean, you, and you've never stopped, really. And I never really stopped, no. There was and a time when you thought you'd go to art school, right? Yes. W- w- was this in Berlin or where? No, th- no, I applied at several art schools and I got a few rejections. And, and was accepted in an art school in Karlsruhe, but then left two months later. And actually, I was expelled. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. What, what, what happened? Nothing happened, because I didn't go there, because there was nothing really happening. And ah. we had a, a sort of um, a little, what we call Wohngemeinschaft, you know, with, um, with uh, two other painters and... and um, like a communal living. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and we painted there, and we were quite happy and we were uh, inspiring each other and, and then didn't go there and for that reason they threw me out and that's it. That's <laughs> it. this in Karlsruhe? That was in Karlsruhe, yes. Okay. So there, is that also then, uh, you actually uh, painted then in the Wohngemeinschaft? As yes, in I continued a little while and then I moved back to Berlin. Mm-hmm. But what I really liked 
was that many years later, the same art school asked me to become a teacher there. Oh, really? <laughs> What did you say? I said no. <laughs> <laughs> Great. No, I said no because, n not, uh, no, but I, of course it made me very happy that they asked, but I said no. <laughs> Have you any other relation to art schools like that Have, uh, during the years? No, not real relations, not relations that went much beyond the one in Karlsruhe. And I, I tried to do seminars, or I did seminars in some, but I don't think I'm a good teacher. I think it's, uh, some people are and others are not so, and I don't, I'm not, I don't think I would be a good teacher because uh, I have no technique. I wouldn't know how to do it because I never saw anybody mm -hmm. teach. Mm. It's probably completely different than what I think it would be about, and I, mm. I have doubts. We haven't discussed this at all during these two years. I, I, I really disagree with you. I mean, having worked so much uh, with you now, I think you would be a really excellent teacher, probably, just by you know the way that you just approach things directly. But I think that's a subject perhaps for another talk. But I, uh, think, I, I think I would be a bad teacher because I would take things too, too personally. And I would probably want, um, I don't know, if I would have, uh, would, um, I have doubts. <laughs> okay, I think m perhaps we should talk about that some other time, but it would, it's sad if you wouldn't do it. I mean, seriously, I just have to say, I mean, you should just, if you had a class, you should just bring everyone to, to Manka and, and, and to your wonderful home and, and with uh, uh, your wonderful family and just cook with all these people and they could just see how you work and they would learn so much. You don't have to say a word, actually, to them. It's, I think you're, you would be just the best teacher. But we can talk about that some other time. <laughs> you you spent time in New York. Mm, this was in the early 90s. I was um, preparing an exhibition in New York and sort of got stuck and lived there for three years and then went back and forth a little bit and then moved to the place where we live now. Mm -hmm. And then a little later got to know my lovely wife and since then it's... Um, It's a, it's a wonderful place for us to live. Well, in, in the New York, I mean, if, if there was a moment where you man, went over, did that influence your art a lot, or were these separate things for you? Yes, of course. Does New York have an influence on, on one's life and art? And, and I was in my early 20s, and I really liked the speed of New York and this vividness, or I don't know, does that word exist, or liveliness? and. Sure. And I met many people, and also I was, strangely enough, at that time, bec um, my painting, which was very different to what, what this is, though this is all different in itself, um, was much more expressionistic and sort of hit a, a certain tone, which led to some success. I hadn't, um, it was also a very strange time because I was not, I think I had no idea about what this really is about. And... I thought, oh, it's so easy. Mm. And later I uh, recognized that it's not so easy and that things don't fall into place like that all the time. And, 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 and it goes, it goes down. It goes up and it goes down. And one has to know that. Because, I mean, some the, the, in this exhibition uh, that we will talk about in a moment, the earliest works are from 90. So are there works in this exhibition that were made in New York? Yes. The black and white ones downstairs 
that are sort of in between uh, when yes. you come in down to the left. Yes. So there's a number of, of works yeah. from that period. Yes. But they were, but I had never exhibited them before, so they were not. They were already paintings that are kind of, yeah. That at, at that time nobody was so interested in anymore, and I that I kept and kept in a and looked at myself, and I'm, it's the first time that that I show them. Then you move to Manka, and this is, in a sense, takes us to now. That's the the, the place that you live in uh, today, and that's where you have your wonderful studio that I visited twice now. And um, I think the process around this exhibition has been, as as it is with with every new exhibition, it's uh, quite a unique one. The first studio visit I made with you was uh, about two years ago or something like that, and I came around when you were preparing an exhibition, I think, for for a gallery in, in Berlin. And I remember it vividly because I think that's when, in a sense, I started to get a feeling of uh, you as an artist, but also as this quite curatorially skilled artist. I remember we had quite a lot of discussions around the exhibition you would have then. I think it was at Ant und Partner. Mm. We hadn't met that much before that, and we actually discussed... Uh, quite instantly an exhibition uh, do you remember there were a couple of paintings there were a few sculptures and we after sort of after i understood your studio we actually started discussing an exhibition and i found that that was a good way of of moving forward in in uh, in getting to know your art because you're so incredibly uh, concerned about space and how old works come together you remember this uh, this yes. first visit well the word is composition mm. i think that composition is extremely important and is something that one at the moment doesn't see so much in contemporary art i think it's important that an area in a painting only this size is composed has a composition that is intriguing and that that is worked through Mm. or that has or that is de determining also the painting and the painting itself consists of composition it does make a difference where what is mm. and where where things are pronounced and where they're less pronounced and a space just an exhibition space is also then again like a canvas and also needs to be composed and then an exhibition consisting of different spaces the different spaces again become one bigger composition mm -hmm. and it goes as far as even if you do two exhibitions in two spaces at the same time let's say in the same city mm -hmm. these two exhibitions also become one bigger composition sure. so i think this is incredibly important and this was what we were then starting to talk about and this is what we were also trying to achieve here in this exhibition that things yeah that the paintings are done but that the paintings are put in in the right spot so that they make a bigger composition work mm. otherwise it's only a hanging hanging of paintings on a wall and that's the reason actually why I like to come and install the exhibition myself because this is like painting, you know, it's sure. making a bigger picture and this is also why, why exhibiting is so much fun if you can do that, if you're allowed to do that mm -hmm. and if you have carte blanche to do that and otherwise you could also do it in your 
in your studio, but then nobody would would see it. But I think that's also what you asked me at a certain point. Once we had started really to, to, to get this big ball rolling towards an exhibition, we had decided when to do it. On your second visit, it became more concrete uh, in the process. You, you looked at the spaces. Actually, now I also remember that we, we looked upstairs and then we, and you were and you said, oh, both, uh, and the downstairs also. I remember that we, you started grasping the size of this exhibition. And, and I really want to say that there are, not every artist, far from every artist, is capable of embracing a space of this size. And, and you are for sure. I mean, this exhibition has proven that. We, we came in here, took a chair, and you just sat here in the space for hours, actually. And then I came out and, and uh, said, uh, and we talked a little, and, and, and ideas started to form. That's, I suppose, also where I would uh, start talking about this. I mean, for me, was at the time, my hope and aim was that we would build this, and now we're actually sitting in it, that we would have some kind of uh, interior like this, or a salon, as, as I've called it all along. But I think in that process also, there was a time when you, what you just mentioned, that you asked, you know, are, are, what are we aiming at here? Is it a hanging, which we can do, and there will be pieces that you can see and appreciate? Or, uh, or this phrase of, should we go full on? I mean, we really make a whole go as far as we can. What I'm trying to say is that there was a point where a decision had to be taken as to... In, in abstract terms, the uh, what energy level do we put into this? How much courage do we need? How far do we go in our curatorial thinking? Well, as you have probably noticed, there are very many pieces in the exhibition. One can decide how many pieces to put in the exhibition. The less pieces you put in an exhibition, the less mistakes you can make, the less... A surface for um, or the less vulnerable you are as an artist because each work covers more ground and gives less reason for criticism or attack and of course you need much more courage to use more works you can also but then there should also be a balance because you can also use so many works that you cannot see anything anymore and then it's safe again. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's safe to use very few or, or you use like thousands. Then it all just you know, implodes in the mass mm -hmm. and becomes very safe too. And just this one statement saying, oh, you know, it's this show with you know, the, this heap of uh, canvases and, and sculptures. And I think it's very important when you make an exhibition to make an exhibition that when somebody asks, so what is this show about? If they can explain it in one or two sentences, I don't think it's a sign of quality. I think it should be so that they say, ah, well, you know, it's about, but then it's about, it's so hard to explain, um, you should actually go and see it because um, it's only, if I try to explain it, it's, I, don't, I don't explain the whole thing. And if, if that happens, then I'm, I think then, then it's a good exhibition because it should work on very many levels. Of course, not only on the composition level that we just mentioned, but also, of course, on many other 
levels and and the more the better because then the more you can see and the more you can discover and the more often you like to see it there's a the tendency i think in general because there are so many biennials all over the world that contemporary artists are forced to make artworks which you are supposed to get within almost split seconds you step in the biennale you step into a thing and say and you you have like five seconds because there's 100 more pavilions to see and 200 more artists and you have to get it like this and then it becomes no different than advertisement for itself but but the piece itself is only then advertisement you try to see more but then there is no more you it's that's it it's it's got to be like and and i think that this is very much what this show is sort of really anti biennale <laughs> that would have been a good name too <laughs> it is about painting but it's also i hope about psychology and the ability to challenge the viewer to make up their own mind about what they think of it it's not this kind of we are all interested in art so we are all in one group we are like one club and we're the good enlightened folks and therefore it's all easy and clear you don't see a, a very straight forward political statement in here there are some innuendos but you have to look for them but they don't also they don't tell you what i think is good or what is bad i think on most things we we agree or most people agree on anyway it's really about trying to see also what is our taste taste is a word that you can, actually is a no go word in contemporary art because contemporary art is supposed to be way beyond taste but it does have to do with it and is also about taste it's i don't know if it's about good or bad taste and i don't i don't think it it matters it questions it's also up in the air and you sort of think why am i being asked this why i hope it it is also a challenge as much as it is as it's also to give joy mm. i hope that when people have seen the exhibition that they feel like they've been given something or that it's a little better than before a little more richer or a little then it's good it's not explaining anything it doesn't know anything better or or um it's not about that it's about a little bit more <laughs> i th- have you spoken i mean through the, the last uh, couple of weeks also about i mean conformism so to speak not to fall into the trap of conformism and i think uh, what you're explaining right now is also on on many levels in your art and in this exhibition and and what's being presented here there's this in between state all the time where you're very close to something we know and that is actually very close to a, a long history of conformism where people are actually in a sense in a very friendly way lured into looking at something they think they know and even that goes way back that may have to do with art history with ways of how art is presented within the canvas the fact that it is a canvas the fact that there are sculptures that look very much like 
you think a sculpture would look, that there are frames, the, the whole thing that surrounds it. It's just that on every level, actually, once you start entering your world, there is something that is moving away from that very conformism. But you don't see that first... The first impression is, is quite something different once... The more time you spend, the more you, you see that this is actually not at all what you thought at the beginning. That's what it's starting to occur to me much more. Something that I, in two years' time, since we started, <laughs> it really goes slowly and I really like it. You know, it's like this piece of music that, or, or, or a record that takes a long time to grow on you. And then all of a sudden you start hearing a, a, an instrument you had no idea was actually there. That's what you actually have in your art. And I think what you're describing in a sense uh, right now. I don't, do you agree a little bit with what I'm saying, or am I out? Well, if it does that, and if it does that also very slowly, then I'm very happy, and then my strategy works if it happens. And we are so full of clichés, and at the same time we are so afraid of clichés that if we're confronted with the almost cliché, mm -hmm. we get insecure. Mm -hmm. And I want that kind of insecurity here, because I think it can make you a more free person if it shakes you up in that way. And if you don't care about the cliches in the end? or hmm? If you don't care about the cliches in the end, would that be sort of a goal for you? Or? If you don't care about the cliches, of course. If, um, if, if you s sort of start again, because, because a cliché is something that has nothing to do with yourself. Mm -hmm. A cliché has something to do with... It is a conformism. Mm -hmm. You know, also what I'm thinking in the back of my head is, is what, what is happening here is also, I mean, we've, through this process of making this exhibition, really the art has led all the decisions and the making somehow. I mean, you've made new paintings, you've made some other exhibition in, in these years. We had some discussion and the, the, if, if, if we decided on to go full on and we, we, as we've talked about, we brought a lot of art here and there were, it was a very intense period of installing and what's going on right now, now the show is open and uh, I, I'm just realizing that we should really stop talking soon because the magic that happens, what's actually happening right now is that I'm trying to decipher you know, what's, what is it really? What are these in-between states that, that are being presented? I don't want to be able to fully express this. That would really, I don't think it's possible in your art. And I think it would be really sad if we, if we just continued talking and in the end we found the right sequence of words that would perfectly describe what it is that you do. I don't think we're trying to. I think what we're trying to do is, because we have an audience, <laughs> and because this is like a stage a little bit. Oh yeah, so you see the audience. I've totally <laughs> forgotten about we're, that because I'm just looking at you. We're trying to make you more curious about the exhibition. And, and I'm, I think you have chosen this spot to talk about because of course art is also artificial because nature is natural. And art is also artificial. So this is, of course, an artificial space because it's elevated a little bit and it's like a stage. Mm -hmm. And this is exactly also this in-between piece which has to do also with the cliché of a space and of a salon and of painting and of, and, and of nude painting and of 
um, taste whatever taste that may be from this carpet via the furniture, via the frames, via the paintings and the painting on the wall. And this is, this is the biggest piece in the exhibition. But if you also look at the small pieces and the small drawings and collages on, on the other side, you will also see you will have the same density of content and questioning. I hope that this will not be sort of like the, too much the center because it's so big and glows, but that also the little ones and the little cross-references between the works that we make curious. Because we're not, hopefully, not trying to explain it. I can't. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's where a conversation like this always goes. Yes. Uh, that's what happened during the press viewing. I mean, it's always this, this desire to try to find, in the end, uh, but it's, you know, I like your version of it, that we're just trying to make curious about, about your art. I think the, the, the art does that uh, wonderfully in itself. Um, I think we should open up for some questions and see what, what the audience might want to hear from you and uh, see if there are any questions out here. Yes. No, I don't have periods over the years. I work in different styles all the time so that it stays interesting to change and that it, each time that it's kind of new and, 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 and that I sort of have the, the, also the desire to work in this because I think that routine is the worst that you can do. So, you know, or to have a routine in your work is, is a killer. Other questions? A little bit about the thinking or the, or the emotional process behind the integration of figures and abstract simultaneously overlapping this clash between those genres. Could you please be more precise? <laughs> To me, I'm, I look at painting, I don't categorize my painting as abstract and figurative. Of course, I do when I talk about it so that we know which pieces we're talking about. But to me, it doesn't make a difference whether it's um, figurative or abstract. Um, it's all either abstract or figurative. It's only, it's only a word. It doesn't make a difference. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm a figurative painter and I don't feel like I'm an abstract painter. As little as I feel that I'm a sculptor, I'm, I think I'm least of all a sculptor uh, and, and or video artist or um, installation artist or 
conceptual artists. It all flows together and this is what being an artist today, um, I think this should be the challenge that you have all this media and that you work with it but that you try to work with it really well. It's not enough to just do it but to also do it so that at the end of the day it is clear why this is a painting and why this is a nude on an abstract background. They flip a lot, Marty. It's, I mean, as you described it, here you have the, the nude on the abstract background. Here you have an, the abstract sculpture on a table in front of two figures who become background. Here you have the same as there. Here you have it. There it's split. There it's only abstraction. But if you look at it, it's painted actually in a very naturalistic way. So it could also be a naturalistic painting of an abstract relief. Mm -hmm. And if you look around the other works, they also kind of have this androgyn or androgynous quality. Androgynous wesen. I don't know what wesen means. Well, the quality, perhaps. Yeah, or quality, yeah. Did that answer your question? <laughs> it was just a provocation. Good. <laughs> well, when, when, with that question, I also get very curious as to your process. Is it has that stayed kind of the same for many, many years, or does that change with time? I mean, what, what, like a painting like this? Do you sketch it a lot before, or no. do you just go straight onto canvas? Yes. And is and your intuitiveness that you speak yeah. about, where does like this painting here? Where does it come from? Is it you just do you just start painting? Which painting? Like this one, for instance, where, where, because just a, in relation to the the question, also because there's some abstract in a sense. I mean, yeah. what, what one might consider abstract, as there are circles and then you have figures in it. Do you go straight onto the the canvas? Yes. You just paint away. Yeah. I think it's yeah. also got to do that I would like to have, that I'd like to have as as many, in a way I like to be like the canvas to be as full as possible. You know that there is abstraction and figuration and psychology and and something that we know and something that we think we know and a lot that we have possibly never seen before. This is really, this is why I paint because I want to. I want to see paintings that I have not seen before. And I've seen, of course, like all of you, uh, so many artworks, but I want to see yet something that I haven't seen before, so I have to make it myself mm -hmm. and not wait for somebody else to make it and then think, ah, I would have loved to have done it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And do you and have the feeling the that the, you, can, you can always add these new paintings or are you afraid that it will ever... Of course, am I afraid that I may one day not be able to do it, but by then, I'm, hopefully, I'm so senile that I won't notice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know if those are good last words, so I'm going to ask for... Yes, yes, very good. A question? Yes. Yes. 
as so often, it, it, it's not such a straight evolution. It was a little bit when Udo Kittelmann invited me to do the large salon at the museum in Frankfurt. I made furniture there that, had, that I wanted to light themselves. I didn't want artificial and museum lighting. And also, I made lamps, my own lamps, and didn't use the museum lamps. And then I noticed that this be was something that I th became very important to me to detach from the institution and from the institutionalized space by lighting my own works. So I've done several exhibitions where there was not a single bulb or fluorescent bulb used from the, from the gallery or the museum, but, but that it was all lit by these Mintrex or by the objects or by the light frames like behind us. And this gave me the autonomy from the institution. I felt much less that I would be used by a curatorial thought and that I would be more, that I could conquer the space and turn it into my own space and create an own atmosphere. And I think that this is important because, I mean, there must be more than art, than, I want to do more than just put something there where somebody else has put his stuff before and so on, and all in the same light. And, and it's, I want, of course, this to be also, I want this to have a different atmosphere the whole thing. Well, I mean, what becomes so clear now is also that you always make this art not only for you. It's this strive for independence when it's, in this case it happens to come from, from uh, furniture and lighting and you want, you, you're striving for an independence for your art but to be shown in places that other people can come to see it so that they can also, in extension, uh, get part of this uh, independence. Yeah, or this freedom that you sometimes speak of. They're just different words for something that, to me, it seems like you wish for for other people. There's a there's a, a, a big generosity there. That's not a question because you can't say that. Yes, I'm very generous, but I think <laughs> you are. <laughs> and uh, if there are no more questions, I think the word generous uh, describes. You, Anton, very well. I think it describes your art well, very well. And uh, I want to thank you so much for, for uh, being part of this conversation that we've had. I think we'll stop there. Is there anything you would like to add so I'm not just shutting you up? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.